I feel like there may be some people here today that are living in the shadows of impending doom. Maybe living in the shadows of loss or living in the shadows of the past or living in the shadows of a train that's heading towards a collision. But the Word of God has comfort for you and I today. This letter was written by a man who was incarcerated, who had a guard chained to him 24-7. Not just a guard, but Caesar's best guards, guards that were trained to protect him. And in his hour of need, in his hour of trial, he had the grace he needed to trust. And in his need, he was able to encourage others in his time of need. I'd like to speak to you this morning on how to shine when you're living in the shadows. Philippians chapter 1. Let's go ahead and read with verse 9. Begin with verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. There is a prayer for you. There is a prayer assignment to pray that you would abound more and more in love and knowledge and discernment and excellence and being filled with fruits under righteousness. Verse 12, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard, that is, those guys that are rotating shifts guarding him, and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Even though his chains belonged to the Roman Empire, he knew that God could deliver him if he wanted to. In fact, this church that he is writing to in Philippi, that very thing happened. An earthquake happened, and he got set free from jail. Some people got saved, baptized, and a church was born. And so he's encouraging this church. He so has grown to trust God that he does not resent his chains, for he knows that God could deliver him when he wants to. And according to history, he eventually was delivered from these chains and was free for a season in his life, a few years. And then he got picked up again and eventually lost his head. So he is down the road of God's will that will one day lead to his own beheading, basically. And he's able to live with grace and courage and be able to encourage others instead of having a pity party. You ever had a pity party? How about a pity festival? (laughs) My chains are in Christ. Rome really doesn't have me imprisoned here. God has some purpose in all of this. So I'm chained to Jesus. I'm a prisoner of love to the King of kings and Lord of lords. In verse 14, And most of the brethren, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So basically what he's saying here in verse 12 and verse 13 is that his incarceration has resulted in the gospel being spread further than it had been. Because the guards see the grace that is upon him. And they hear his stories and hear his witness. It was customary at that time to rotate guards every eight hours. But according to Catholic tradition, they had to change them every four hours. Because they were getting converted. And uh, Caesar didn't want that. So this man's, 
you know, this was an unusual prisoner to be chained to who's smiling at you and being kind to you and asking, can he pray for your family, what's your needs, telling you these amazing stories of Jesus. And so the gospel is being spread just by the grace that is upon him in his hour of trial. And then secondly, his brothers who are not in prison see Paul's courage and they think, you know, if he can have that kind of attitude, I've really got it kind of going on out here. I need to be more courageous. And so the gospel is being spread by that. So uh, Paul is encouraged from that. Verse 14, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now here's today's text, verse 15 through 21. Some indeed, here's some others who are preaching Jesus, preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains. So see, he had some things even within the church to get discouraged about, much less his physical circumstances. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. He looked on the bright side. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I should be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that we would hear your word with fresh ears, open hearts, and I pray, Lord, especially for those who are living in some sort of shadow, that the light of truth would shine in their heart and their mind, and that they would leave this place different than the way they came. In Jesus' name, amen. How to shine when you're living in the shadows. First point is how to shine when you're in the shadow of disregard. Verse 15 through 17 says, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. All right, remember in the, in the context, he's talking about those that are being bold in their preaching because they're encouraged by, by seeing Paul preach in his chains and Paul not grumbling and being depressed and being a basket case. But he's advancing the cause of Christ, and so they are too. But there's some others that are advancing the cause of Christ because of Paul's incarceration. But it's for selfish ambition. You know, it's like, oh, there's a gap. In the, on the uh, evangelistic trail, there is a gap that Paul's not able to fill. I wonder if I can go out there and take his place and be an influence in these churches and pass the basket and take up an offering in the middle of his need for myself. And this, this is kind of what was happening. Some indeed preached Christ from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. His ministry was very successful and some people were envious of him. You know, that happens. God can bless you, and everybody's not going to rejoice. You know, the Scriptures tell us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. 
I really believe it's easier to mourn for most of us to mourn with those who mourn than it is sometimes to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Somebody may be doing better off than we are. We need to rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Envy should have no place in our heart. If there's anything that's going to rob us from, of, of God's blessings in our own life is envying his blessing in someone else's life. Our problem ultimately is with the Lord who's allowing his blessing to reign. So some are preaching because Paul's imprisonment is encouraging them, but others are preaching based, based on their envy and strife, but others also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. So the, the former, you know, there's certain ethics that one would practice if he's going to go minister in a church. He would want to talk to the leaders of that church, right? If some guy wants to plant a church here in Granbury and he wants to invite some of you to come and help him, you would come and talk to the leaders first. Um, down the road here is Church on the Way, or not Church on the Way, the Way Church TV. That's exactly what they did, and we were happy to bless them, get to know them, encourage them. It's three couples that moved here from Arkansas to start a church, and they're booming. They're doing very well. God's blessing them. But in this case, nobody's coming to visit Paul for his input, his advice, uh, showing him, you know their love for God and for the word. They're just out to make a name for themselves. It's my chance to be in the spotlight. I'm going to take Paul's place on this circuit that he has going on. And so he could be discouraged about that because he was being disregarded. How many have ever been disregarded? It's like you're a has-been. How, how do you overcome that kind of shadow? First point, see who you are in God's eyes. The latter out of love, knowing I'm appointed for defense of the gospel. He knew that he knew that he knew that he was called by God. And so he just had to trust God. God, you got me here in these chains. And I've got a purpose to serve faithfully here. And even though I may feel like some of my brothers are not regarding me or giving the honor, giving me the honor that I am due, I am going to give the honor to you because I know who I am. If you're being disregarded, Take comfort, because Jesus was disregarded. It's an opportunity to, to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. We all want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, but when it comes to the fellowship of his sufferings, this comes up later on in the book of Philippians, it's not quite our cup of tea. But we all have to walk through the valley of disregard at some point in our life. And so it was in the life of John the Baptist. Remember, he was in prison. Wondering, you know, why am I here? He sends a message, messenger to Jesus and say, you know, are you really the Messiah? Maybe he was hinting at, have I done a good job? And Jesus said, well, tell them the dead are raised, devils are cast out, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And so he was the Messiah, but guess what? John the Baptist still sat there in prison. How could he overcome that kind of discouragement? There was a dotted line on his neck that one day would, where Herod would have his head removed, and God knew that. How could you handle that? You've got to know that you're in the will of God. You've got to know that you didn't put yourself where you are. You've got to know that he has called you and rest in the light of his love. It's not about me anyway. Not to us, but to your name be the glory.
Now, his disciples didn't hear this, but Jesus went on to say, <laughs> this would have been hard to hear in prison. Of those born of woman, there is none greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. Because he was the end of, a, of the Old Testament era. The New Testament was coming. We have a higher purpose, a higher calling. So we need to see who we are in God's eyes. Second point is how to shine when you're in the shadows of hypocrisy. You know, there's lots of people not in church today because the church is filled with hypocrites. Uh, if you know anybody like that, just tease them and say, you know, you've got to be smaller than a hypocrite to hide behind one. <laughs> what then? How am I going to handle this? This disregard. How am I going to handle this selfish ambition I see in some leaders? Only that in every way, whether in pretense, that means hypocrisy, pretending, or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Everybody may not have the right motives, but are they preaching Jesus? I've got to check my own heart here, because sometimes I get upset when I watch Christian TV. When I hear a pep talk instead of the word being preached, or I, I see blessings being sold, you know, a new anointing times 10 for $2,500, things like that. And I can't do anything about it except whine to you guys. And what good does that do? It doesn't do any good. But I can rejoice if I hear the name of Jesus lifted up. Maybe the motives are to get rich, I don't know, but is Jesus being lifted up? Somebody said, bad press is better than no press. Is there something about Jesus they're saying that is the truth and that that's going to stick? Because all words of man are going to burn up as wood, hay, and stubble, but that which is of Christ will last forever. Then we can rejoice in that. Hallelujah. God bless TBN and all the other networks. How to shine when you see the shadows of, democ of democracy, of hypocrisy. Number two, see everything from Christ's perspective. It's about him, not me. I drew a sketch I wasn't bold enough to share with you guys of two men wearing glasses. One pair of glasses were made from the letters M and E. And so many times that's us. Everything we see is from the perspective of me. What about me? Or me too. What about my? What's in it for me? What's in it for mine? Then the other pair of glasses was made from five letters. J-E-S-U-S. -S. The middle S was a little smaller, so it actually did look like glasses. That's the perspective as believers were to have. Is look at everything through Christ's perspective. And when seeing people that may be in the ministry for the wrong purposes... Is Jesus being lifted up? That's what it's about. And when judgment day comes, we got to stand in our own shoes. So the smaller target we are, the better. Third point. Oh, back to the illustration here. Here we go. Here's two preachers condemning each other. Maybe the first preacher is offended that the second preacher had a billboard that said, 
My church isn't like your grandma's church. I don't know. Little humor there, sorry. <laughs> Looking at each other, well, for the grace of God, I'd be like that guy. When peace would come to their heart, they would think, you know, is this church furthering the cause of Jesus? Are they lifting up the name of Jesus? Are they seriously considering and teaching and proclaiming the words of Jesus and seeking to live the life of Jesus? That's what it's about. It's not about whether it's traditional or modern. It's about Jesus. Amen? How to shine when you're in the shadow of defeat. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Keep on praying with expectation. As he was in the shadow of defeat, I mean, there is a chopping block somewhere in his future. How how did he partake of that grace? Through prayer and the prayers of other people. He was able to do it. I'm amazed at the optimism that is in this book. Is there such a thing as biblical optimism? I believe there is. Optimism has its place. No, nobody gets very far in life being negative. Uh, Walter Winchell said, an optimist is a person who gets treed by a lion but tries to enjoy the scenery. Ambrose Beer said, optimism is a belief that everything is beautiful, including the ugly. Charles A. Beard said, when it is dark enough, you get to see the stars. Few cases of eye strain have been developed by looking on the bright side of things. So here he is, praying with expectation while at the same time looking on the bright side. People are preaching with wrong motives, but hey, Christ is being preached. I'm stuck in chains, but hey, the gospel is moving forward. Guards are hearing the truth, and people are being inspired by my ministry out in the free world. Looking on the bright side. Being optimistic. If we're negative, praying is hard. Why would you pray without any expectation? Just give up and quit praying. We must keep on praying. Never stop with expectation. Differences are being made by our prayers. The power of persistence. How to shine when you're in the shadow of despair. Verse 20, he goes on, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. See, he's wearing his Jesus glasses. Christ is going to be glorified in my body, whether through its beheading, its death, that was a Roman way of killing criminals, or in its life. How do you shine in the shadow of impending doom? You keep your hopes up. 
Now, I know we're raised with certain sayings, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket and things that aren't in the Bible like cleanliness is next to godliness. Ben Franklin and Billy Graham said that, but it's not actually in the Bible, but it is a good idea. Don't get your hopes up because you might be disappointed. A hopeless life will always be disappointed. Have some hope. Get your hopes up. When you're hoping, you're looking. When you're looking, you're seeing. But when you're hopeless, you give up, you become a couch potato. And you just become a vegetable. That is not God's will. Final point. How to shine when you face the shadow of death. Death is our enemy. The Bible acknowledges its reality. It's our enemy. It's the last enemy that will be destroyed. But you know... Looking at things through the eyes of Christ, it's already been destroyed. We need to live in light of the resurrection, amen? Amen. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Our fifth key for living and shining in the shadows is put and keep the fear of death under your feet. We overcome the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the Lamb And the word of our testimony. I love that song. But go to the book of Revelation and read the rest of the passage. The blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, loving not our lives even unto death. Fearless. Fearless. Why? Because because of what the blood has done. It has made propitiation for us. And death for us is now no longer an impending doom. It's simply a change of residencies. Bye-bye body. Hello, Jesus. To live is Christ, to die is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And whether you believe in soul sleep, which I believe is a perspective from our side, the person's asleep until they're raised, or instantly with Jesus when you die, which is a perspective from heaven's side, I believe, because we're no longer confined by time, death is not such a boogie bear. It's not. Hebrews 2 says, Inasmuch then as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, meaning Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now we know one day we'll be freed from, from death when we get new bodies, the great resurrection, but today we should be freed from the fear of death. The fear of death brings bondage. You check out most of our fears at all. If you you follow it to its most extreme conclusion, it usually leads to death. Somebody's going to die. That's what I'm afraid of. But in Christ, is that really something to fear? Barnes Notes said, Why should a Christian be afraid to die? Why should he or she not hail that hour when it comes as the hour of deliverance, and rejoice to be going home. 
Does the prisoner long confined in a dungeon in a dungeon dread the hour of freedom that brings return to family and friends? Does the person long exiled to a foreign land dread the time to embark on the voyage to embrace friends from youth? Do the sick fear the hour that restores health, the afflicted the hour that brings comfort? Will the lost wanderer at night shun the cheering light of day? Why then should the Christian dread the hour which will restore him or her to immortal living, which shall remove all sorrows and introduce that everlasting day? He went on, Barnes went on to write this poem. Death is the crown of life. Where death denied, poor men would live in vain. Were death denied, to live would not be life. Were death denied, even fools would wish to die. Death wounds to cure. We fall, we rise, we reign. Sprung from our fetters, hastening to the skies. Where blooming Eden withers in our sight. Death gives us more than was in Eden lost. This king of terrors, disarmed by the prince of peace, through the cross. Death has been disarmed. You remember the Puritans? This is one of them, Thomas Brooks. The Puritans were radical people. We celebrate um, our independence next weekend. Some of the settlers that came to this land were pilgrims. They were related to the pilgrims, to, to the Puritans. At funerals, they would not mention the name of the deceased. They used it as an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. And they had a unique view of death. Listen to what he said in one of his sermons. Thomas Brooks said this. He said, Death not only ceases to be our conqueror, death actually becomes God's helper. Death is another Moses. It delivers believers out of bondage from making bricks in Egypt. Remember this. Death does that in a moment with no graces, no duties, nor any ordinances could do for a man all his lifetime. Death frees a person from disease, corruption, temptations. No duties, nor graces, nor ordinances could ever free us from. Every prayer then, when we die, shall have its answer. All hungering and thirsting shall be filled and satisfied. Every sigh, groan, and tear that has fallen from the saint's eyes shall then be recompensed. That is not death, but life. Which joins, which joins the dying man to Christ. Has anyone here, I know a couple people that would raise their hand, but anybody else here that has ever been to an African-American funeral? Is it amazing or what? In Africa, funerals are not like that. The joy that is present in the African-American funeral of a believer, that is, goes back to the days of slavery when there was no joy in their life and where death was seen as relief. And they could rejoice in the parting of a fellow slave that he would no longer have to work for nothing, that he would no longer have his back beaten, no longer live in fear of all kinds of torture that went on in those days. He was finally free sometimes they would call call death crossing the Jordan I was in my early 20s in Houston when I went to my first African American funeral and uh, 
It was the death of a new friend of mine, James White. He's a preacher. He still lives in the Houston area. And him and his wife lost a baby. A baby was about a less than a year old. The baby passed. It was a very sad thing. <clears throat> and uh, it was at an African Methodist Episcopal Church. And they sang a song I'd never heard before in my life called Don't Weep for Me at My Home Going. And they called death our home going. And I, I'd like for... Uh, don't play it too loud, but I'm going to show you a video of this song being sung. And may the reality of the faith that the African-American people have because of the freedom and joy that death brought them during their hour of struggle when they were first brought to this land, may that hit us between the eyes. and May we see just how pitiful our view of death has been. May God free us all from the fear of death today. something to rejoice for the person that is going on. In the shadow of death, maybe your own death, you can shine and encourage others. Have you ever visited a saint on his or her deathbed and they're encouraging folks? What an example for us. We can shine in the shadows. How to shine when you face the shadow of death. Remember the top ten benefits of life in heaven. In heaven we'll be delivered from death. We'll be delivered from all our enemies. We'll be surrounded by the best of friends. You know the worst thing about being in jail isn't the bars. It's the people you're in there with. One of the best things about heaven won't be the streets of gold. It'll be the people that are there with us. We'll be reunited with those we loved on earth. And best of all, we'll be admitted to the immediate presence of our Savior. We'll be totally free for the first time. Totally free. We'll be freed from all temptations to sin. I mean, who wants to steal in heaven? The pavement is gold. 
will be freed from doubt. Trials of faith will be no more. We'll be freed from all suffering in that place of no more sorrow, no more tears, no more mourning, and no more death. And our earthly bodies will be replaced with new heavenly bodies. Amen. How many is glad about it? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to close in a minute, and uh, when I close, you'll be free to go, but you may want to hang around. I've got another video clip of a funeral in New Orleans where they dance with the casket. Such rejoicing for the person who's gone on. I hope you can watch it and let it impact your, your, your view of life and begin to see life through the perspective of Jesus, that death is no longer the enemy it once was. Can we stand? I'm going to end the sermon with three announcements and then that video. All right? Uh, I'd like everyone to stay after service today. We're going to have fun. There's going to be food. There's going to be slides and jumpy houses and cold water and drinks and uh, soft drinks and all kinds of other activities. So don't rush off. Amen. Amen. Also today, I'd like to mention two things that are in the foyer. There is an information desk for Comanche Peak Christian School Systems. And they're here with an a, uh, information table. Rob and Ruth Ricksecker, can you raise your hand? This dear couple here is starting a new Christian school. And their first campus will be at Crossroads Church. And so, Crossroads Prayer Center. So, get to know them and get more information on this new Christian school. You know, our school districts get kind of shook up with all the activity that's going on. They're going to start doing some advertising. Amen. So I like competition. Maybe things will get better over there. Amen. It's good. So we welcome you guys. Amen. Praise the Lord. Another information booth is promoting our women's conference. It's coming up in August. You don't want to miss that if you're a lady. Sorry, brothers. And here we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And in the shadows that you're living in or, or facing or looming towards you, may you know that you know that you know that you are the light of the world and that you shine. Amen. You know, we're living in the last days. And as the sun is setting, shadows get longer. So the shadows you and I are facing are not bigger. They just appear so. Amen. Let's go to New Orleans.